Well, it's been an interesting year for us at Huguenot Road Baptist Church. And when I say interesting, I mean also tough. This past Wednesday, we had a funeral for one of our founding members, Gladys Jones. And if you were there, you heard how Gladys lived a life of what it truly means to follow Jesus. On Monday, I had the honor and unfortunate privilege of performing my uncle's funeral in North Carolina. And just the other day, we learned of the passing of a dear friend, Debbie Stone. I think that I remember Bob telling me over the past 12 months that we've, he has been uh, a part of something like 17 funerals somehow connected to the church. It's been a tough year. And if it hasn't been a funeral, perhaps it's been a sickness. Perhaps it's been a hospitalization. And if it hasn't been something like that, maybe it was a struggle. You see, in a church this size, there's bound to be struggles and, and life situations that just seem to come from nowhere. It might have been something that happened in an un, uh, unexpected bill. It might have been just something that completely caught you off guard. But those things, they begin to pile up and they pile up and they pile up and pretty soon you sound or you feel like the psalmist David that Sue read for us earlier. He said, Save me, O God, for the waters come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for God. When you read that, you get the sense that David had had enough. He likely at this point was running for, for his life. And he had had enough. And it's almost like he said, I mean, come on, God. What's the deal? I'm drowning. Everything is closing in on top of me. I'm, I'm calling out for you. And my throat is almost gone because of it. It seems everywhere I turn, something is going wrong. Have you ever experienced that? I know I have. Have you ever experienced life when, when things seem to be going wrong, and the next place you turn, something else happens, and then something else? And at some point, you cry out to God, what is the deal? Over my 16 years in ministry, I've noticed that. But I notice that something comes along with it, and it's a phrase, and I've heard it dozens and dozens of times. It's the phrase, it'll be okay. God won't give me more than I can handle. It's a nice saying. It's comforting in our times of need, because after all, doesn't that mean that God is looking out for us? If God won't give us more than we can handle, doesn't that mean that God surely cares for us? I can take comfort in that. The only problem is with that saying is that it's not biblical. Nowhere in the Bible does it say God will not give you more than you can handle. And and there's no point that God says, don't worry, I won't give you more than you can handle. And you might be thinking, well, John, you know, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I've read that in there. I'm, I'm actually, you should double check. Well, I did. Rest not. 
There is a verse that's very similar to that. It's 1 Corinthians 10.13. It says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And this is the part that is similar. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out for you so that you can stand up under it. Now, Paul is talking to the church in Corinth in this verse, and he's saying, you know, you're going to face temptation to sin. You're going to face that temptation where you have sin on this side or or, or the ways of the world on this side and and the ways of God on this side, and you're going to be faced with a choice, and that's going to look good. But don't worry. Whenever you're tempted, I will give you a way out. Over time, that verse is somewhat morphed into this phrase that I'm sharing with you now, God won't give us more than we can handle. And this leads us to have a picture of God who, who wouldn't possibly, who wouldn't dare, who is so loving that He would not give us more than we can hand, handle. And then I, I pick up my Bible and I, I started flipping through and I started in Genesis and, and, and I came up and I saw a lot of stories that did not paint that picture. In fact, it's a very different picture of God. In fact, I'm going to share some with you on the screen. Number one, Moses and Aaron going against the most powerful man in the world to free 600,000 people from slavery. Pharaoh was seen as a god. He was the leader of the free world, and his people thought he was God. And God looked at Moses and Aaron and said, All right, you're up. Go free Israel. Or what about Gideon who has to attack an entire Midianite army with only 300 men? We're actually learning about that one tonight in youth group. Or what about Joshua? He's going to conquer an entire city by marching around, blowing a trumpet, and yelling. A boy named David slaying a giant Goliath. Esther, an Israelite woman, literally the least likely person in the entire story, saves a king's life and an entire population of people. Nehemiah was asked to rebuild an entire city in the face of opposition from within and without. Elijah had to, had to face off against not one, not two, but 450 prophets of an idol. And that's just where I stopped in the Old Testament. There's a ton more, and the New Testament is full. The Bible consistently reveals people being put into a situation that they can't handle alone. But John, does this mean that God doesn't really care for us? That, does this mean that He's not looking out for us? I mean, if He gives us more than we can handle, if He allows us to endure more than we can handle... Does that mean he doesn't care about me? What are we supposed to do with that? The truth is, that's a very real question. And that's a question that every Christian has to wrestle with. But worry not. God indeed cares for you. And he cares for you. And he cares for you. And he cares for all my back row Baptist people. I love you in the back. God cares for us. And, and the way that we have to approach this, when, when, when we're stuck in the mire, when we're, when we're stuck with the, the world around us caving in on us, we have to remember a couple of things. And first is that this was never God's plan for us. 
When God made Adam and Eve, when he created the world and created the garden, he, he created in perfection. And, and humans were to live in perfection and walk with God. There was no sickness. There was no disease. There were no hard times. Because those things are a result of sin. When sin entered the world, it changed everything. And if you, if you wonder if that's true, we again look to the Bible in Romans, where Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. Physical death and spiritual death. And that's hard because God did not intend for it that way, but that's the reality where we live. We live in a reality where there's pain and there's hurt and there's suffering. But that still leaves us with the question, why would God let us endure more than we can handle? And honestly, God does that because God knows that we are best off when we completely rely on Him. And God knows that we have the tendency to, when things go wrong around us, we have a tendency to try to fix them ourselves. And if you don't believe me, just ask any wife who's had a problem and she's gone to her husband to share that problem. And his first thought was like, well, I can fix that. We want to fix our own mess. We have a tendency to try to rely on ourselves, our own strength. And usually we make it worse. And that's why the saying, God won't give me more than I can handle, can be such a problem. You see, in that phrase, we are the focus. We're saying, uh, God is saying, or we're saying that God won't give us more than we can handle. In other words, if we reverse it, we can handle anything. We can handle this on our own. But then reality hits and we're in the middle and, and next thing you know, one thing happens and the next thing happens and, and we realize, I can't handle this. But if I live by that saying, I'm supposed to be able to handle this. I'm supposed to be able to handle all the things that are going wrong in this world. And we double down. We're like, no, God won't give me more than I can handle. I know I can do it. And we try harder and we try harder and we try harder. And every time we try harder, life gets worse. And we struggle, and we struggle, and we struggle. And then a couple things happen. The first is that we turn to sin. We turn to something that we can handle, something that we can control. When we can't handle or control the world around us, I'm going to turn to something I can. And that's why addictions are such a big problem in the world today, is because we look to try to solve our own problems on our own strength. And we do this, there are tons of different sins that we turn to. The other thing we can do is turn to, uh, we take it out on our families or the people around us, maybe our coworkers. And I am a perfect example of this. Just yesterday morning, uh, I didn't sleep well uh, on Friday night going into yesterday morning, and we had an 8.30 basketball pictures appointment. I don't know who in their mind, put basketball pictures at 8.30 in the morning, but so help me, I'm praying for them right now. I don't know who thought, hey, let's get six-year-olds together at nine in the morning to take a picture. 
Anyway, sorry, I need to pray about that. Um, But I was not in the most pleasant of moods, and my family knew that. And I took it out of them. And by the end, we, we were all in a state. And I had to, you know, finally just go into, uh, I was talking to Molly, and I said, you know what, I didn't sleep well. I'm sorry. That's what happens when life gets too much and we continue to try to handle all of the grief, all of the pressure, all of the struggles on our own. We start taking it out on the people around us, and we, we bully people, and we're manipulative. That's when we say underhanded comments. That's when we treat others around us Uh, whether it's here or whether it's in the world, we treat others like they're beneath us because I have to be in control of something. I have to handle something. And the whole time that we're struggling and we're struggling and we're struggling and we're struggling, Jesus is right there saying, let me take your pain. Let me handle this. Let me take you're hurt. Let me walk with you, and, we're, and we miss it because we need to handle it on our own. But John, how do you know that? How do you know that God is with us? Well, I just ask him. In Matthew, the book of Matthew, in chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus is talking to his followers. He says, "'Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest.'" Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus looks to his followers and he sees their burdens and he sees the hard times and he sees the struggles that they're going through and he sees how they're overwhelmed and he says three words, come to me. There are a couple of interesting things about this passage. The first being those three words, come to me. Jesus doesn't give a, a pep rally. You can do it. I know you can. He asks us to come to him to find relief and rest. Secondly, he takes, he says, take my yoke upon you. Okay, I've got a picture of a yoke. This is an old, a, a yoke, if you don't know or if you've forgotten, is a farming tool. Uh, normally, you put two animal, you put it over two animals, uh, a, a ox or a horse or a mule or whatever, and they you attach uh, a plow to it, and it plows fields. It helps farmers uh, in their uh, planting season. The thing is, is that when you look at this, there are two places. God, Jesus doesn't say, "Offload all of your troubles on me." I'll make them disappear. And God doesn't say, you know, I'm going to make all of your struggles disappear and life is just going to be rosy. Man, I would love it if they did. But Jesus doesn't say that. He says, come to me and take on my yoke and we will walk together through this. Jesus is looking and saying, take my yoke, walk with me through this struggle. He says, I'm going to teach you how to walk through it. Because when you walk through it, you are with me. And when you're with me, that's where you'll find comfort. That's where you'll find peace. It's only with me that in the darkest of times, in the deepest of depths, will, we, will you know peace. He's showing us that life is going to give you more than you can handle. But that's okay. Because I'm here to walk with you through it. 
I'm here to walk with you in your pain. I'm here to walk with you in your sorrow. And I'm here to walk with you through the mess that life has. But it doesn't just stop with our one-on-one relationship with Jesus. Jesus establishes church to follow his lead. We are the representation in the world of what Jesus said and did. That's what we're here for. And we're here to walk through the tough times together. We are the physical bodies of Jesus here on the earth with each other. We are here to be in a place where we can share our struggles as well as our triumphs. And over the, over the course of the years, I think the church has lost that a little bit. I think we, we get dressed up, we, we put on a suit. I'm a youth pastor, so this is about the only time I wear a suit. Um, but we get dressed up, and we walk in the door, and then all of a sudden, hey, hey, it's good to see you. How are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm fine. Oh, how are you? Oh, I'm good. But the truth is, is our world is crumbling inside. And we've made church this place where we have to come in and we have to be put together and we have to look presentable because, because I don't know what would happen if they knew what was really happening in our lives. But the church, we are here, we are a place for broken people to come together and in a unified, unified voice say, we may not be able to handle it on our own, but we will do what Jesus did and we will help each other and walk together through each tough time and we will constantly point each other to Jesus Christ because he is the rest and he is the peace that we find in our lives. That is our goal and our purpose as a church. And we take that, we don't just care for each other, we take that out to our neighbors and out to the world. And this morning, you might find yourself in that first, fa- first phase of life like David was talking. And you might feel like you are in over your neck and that you're drowning. This morning, I encourage you, come to Jesus. Come to, to him who can uh, care, walk us through, walk with us through that time. Who can give us the peace that transcends all understanding in those hard times but we have to come to him. Lay your burden down and walk with Jesus. Accept that help. Or you might be here and you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never trusted Jesus at all. Come to him and follow him. Trust in what Jesus has done for, his, for us. Or you might be thinking... Uh, John, you know, life is okay right now. Life is fine. I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, for you, I want you to walk with the people around you because that's what we're there for. Sometimes life is not that, not that hard. It's not overwhelming for us. That's when God has called us to walk with our neighbors. And there are people around you that might be hurting. You might not even know who they are. But during this last hymn, I pray that you, or I encourage you to pray for them. You might not know their names. You can just offer it up to God. God knows their name. But if you are in one of those places, we encourage you to act in response. I will be up front if you need to pray or if you want to accept Christ or join the church this morning, I'll be here. But take that time to reflect. Let's pray.